Please listen carefully. Hello, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm Jessica Toon. I'm John Haley. Remember, Caveat Realtor is meant to provide general legal information. Information, forms, and laws referenced in this episode are accurate as of the date this episode is first released. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. Hey, Jessica. Hey, John. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Summer, summertime. It is. Um, and I know that we've discussed this before, that you and I both are of a certain age, and apparently it's a pretty narrow age band where we created uh, GeoCities websites back in the day, in the early days of the internet. Yeah, John, I don't, um, I do not recall what was on my GeoCities page that I probably created in seventh grade, but I do think that if you, if you came of the internet age in middle school, you probably created a terrible website. Yes, um, and part of me wants to see my old websites and part of me is hopefully yeah. buried forever. It's probably out there somewhere though, right? One thing that we can agree on is that neither of us cared at all or even thought about making those websites accessible. Probably you and I read our individual websites, but also that wasn't the forefront of our minds. But No, definitely not. Unless by accessible, you mean like I wanted all my friends to go to it. Right, exactly. I had like six web views and then it was like seven and then it stayed there, you know, forever. Um, so sure. obviously you guys have a little more traffic directed to your websites. Um, and because of that, there's the importance of this uh, podcast. Right, because website accessibility, right, is not just getting people to your website that you want, right? Right. It's making sure that everyone has an equal access to get to your website and access the services that you're offering. That's right. Um, and so... As a result of that, today we're going to talk about a new court decision in the website accessibility case. Now, we've talked about website accessibility before, but here's a quick reminder for you. We've seen a rise in plaintiffs filing cases alleging that some websites violate the Americans with Disabilities Act because they're not fully accessible to those with visual or other disabilities. We've also been hearing that some of the new demand letters allege a violation of fair housing. Now, the ADA, uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act, requires, quote, places of public accommodation to be accessible, and whether or not a website is a place of public accommodation is unclear. Not to mention, if it is such a place, what kind of standards make that accommodation accessible? And unfortunately, the legal landscape here is pretty murky. There's no state or federal guidelines to comply with. So we mostly rely on court cases to shed some light on how to assess risk in this area and what compliance might look like. Virginia-based cases have mostly focused on the plaintiff's standing. In other words, does the plaintiff have the right to bring this lawsuit? Is there alleged harm based in fact? Were they actually attempting to visit the website to potentially purchase a product or service? And many of these cases in Virginia federal courts have been brought by the same plaintiff and they've been dismissed for standing. Judges have found that this plaintiff, who lives in Northern Virginia, was not realistically going to visit, for example, a credit union in Roanoke that he is also unable to join because it is limited to, for example, certain public sector employees in that area. At least one case was also dismissed because the bank in question updated its website to comply with the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines 2.0 standard, which is a set of guidelines created by an international standards organization called the World Wide Web Consortium which sounds very, you know, James Bondy, but it, it really is just uh, a group of people out there that, that know what they're doing and are creating some standards. So 
it does give us something to work with and you can find more information on those guidelines at our website or at www.w3.org. So that's about all the guidance we have right now from court cases in Virginia or in the Fourth Circuit, which hears appeals from federal cases in Virginia and surrounding states. The federal courts in other areas of the country have been making headlines on this issue, or at least legal world headlines. Right, legal world headlines being the operative phrase there. Uh, The big one a few years ago was in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is out west, so think California, but also Arizona, Montana, Alaska, Hawaii. It's the biggest appeals court in the country, so its decisions do tend to hold some weight. The defendant in the case was Domino's Pizza. And the Ninth Circuit held in that case in 2019 that Domino's website was a place of public accommodation and as such must be accessible under the ADA. Further, the court discussed the lack of government guidance on the website standards and determined that the lack of guidance did not excuse businesses from not complying with their obligations to not violate the ADA. So this is the standard we've been working under since that time. Websites may be considered a public accommodation, complying with the WCAG 2.0 guidelines will likely meet a non-existence compliance standard, but also the plaintiff probably needs to have standing to bring a suit. Enter Winn-Dixie, or rather the case Gill versus Winn-Dixie in the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which was just decided this April. The 11th Circuit is much smaller than the 9th, but it's also geographically closer to us. It hears appeals from federal courts in Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. The plaintiff, Gill, is legally blind and established that he does shop at Winn-Dixie. Specifically, he fills prescriptions there. And that's important because at the time this case was filed, the only element of Winn-Dixie's website that was interactive, where consumers could actually shop or place an order, was the pharmacy. You could place an order to pick up in the store. He argued that the website was not compatible with his screen reader, which is something he uses to read the website to him since he can't see it. So the plaintiff did establish at least a base level of standing. That is, he has a legitimate claim to argue here for a particularized injury. Unlike the plaintiff in some of the Virginia cases who was not, and in some cases could not, be a member of the banks he filed his lawsuits against. The lower court in the Winn-Dixie case found that the website was a place of public accommodation, just like the Domino's case, and that Winn-Dixie must conform the website to, you guessed it, the WCAG 2.0 standard. It also required the company to implement a web accessibility policy and train its employees on it. But the 11th Circuit reversed that decision, primarily focusing on the place of public accommodation analysis. It held that a website is not a place of public accommodation because the definition of public accommodation in the ADA makes it clear that it is referring to physical locations. The court further analyzed the plaintiff's access to the goods and services provided by Winn-Dixie and noted that because Winn-Dixie has a physical store in addition to its website, where a person may access the same goods and services, a person may not be prevented from fully and equally enjoying those goods or services. Specifically, at the time of the initial suit, a person could not actually buy the goods or services on Winn-Dixie's website. They could just place pickup orders, so there was no true harm incurred by the plaintiff. Perhaps most importantly, the court put some blame on Congress for not having addressed this issue. It stated that absent congressional action broadening the definition of place of public accommodation to include websites, that they would not extend ADA liability to this sort of circumstance, particularly when the defendant has a physical location selling the same goods. Right, which is different than how the Ninth Circuit came out, who said that, you know, um, 
though Congress hadn't acted, they still felt that the businesses needed to comply. So does that mean your website does not need to be accessible? No, neither the Ninth Circuit nor the Eleventh Circuit's decisions directly apply to businesses in Virginia because we are in the Fourth Circuit. However, courts in our jurisdiction will look to these courts' decisions when making theirs. And right now, especially with this new Winn-Dixie decision, it's still very much a gray area. So let's talk about managing your risk in this space. First, do an audit of your website's accessibility. There are free online services and also paid vendors who do that. Finding out where you stand is the first step in deciding how to move forward. At the very least, make your website compliant with the most common screen reading standards. If you use a third-party website provider, talk to them about the standards and whether they have taken any steps to make your site accessible. Have an option on your website for consumers to contact you regarding any issues that they may have with your site. And finally, if you receive a demand letter, contact an attorney immediately. Thank you for joining us. Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes and rate us. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our legal hotline where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the legal tab on the law and ethics section. Make sure you're logged in to see this page. Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney license to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is general reference work as a public service. It does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We make no warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2021. This podcast features the song, Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.